It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat. Feeling not so refreshed after a couple days off. Uh, there are reasons for that, of course, because I was in Vegas and nobody can get rest in the city of Las Vegas. But we are back, ready to talk more about the Penguins' general manager search, as it seems as if. They are starting to wind down and potentially getting ready to find the next general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins here in the next couple of weeks. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Blue Bloods, Horwat. It's commonly a term used in college basketball, but we're going to bring that to the game of hockey and to the league of the NHL and talk a little bit about who the NHL's Blue Bloods could be. But let's start with the Penguins general manager search because this could be a massive week in regards to the actual general manager position for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It seems like more and more stuff are beginning to get released from different sources, whether that's TSN, whether that's Sportsnet, whether that's The Athletic. We're seeing a lot of news being reported about who's being interviewed, what round of interviews they are in, and how this process is beginning to play out for the Penguins. Yeah, this this could be the week. I know um, all of the sources are saying that uh, the first round of interviews is over. Names have been released. Some names have not been released. Uh, the, the the list is a wide... Fenway said at the beginning they're going to cast a wide net, and uh, some of the names we've seen come from what feels like all walks of life, all walks of uh, styles of hockey, all walks of building a team in many different forms and managing a team in many different forms. It's going to be an interesting week. Each and every name has uh, can bring their own sort of their own sense of passion and their own build to this Penguins team. It'll be interesting to see where things go from here. Uh, from what it sounds, though, there aren't ne- there aren't names totally. Fi- that, there aren't definite names yet either. Like, there aren't definite, uh, you know, finals in the running or whatever it may be. It's um, mm-hmm. this is going to still be a process, but it might get wrapped up this week. It's going to be interesting, and uh, the and then of course the uh, the big fish took himself out. Yeah, and we'll get to Kyle Dubas here in a few minutes uh, as he basically relieves himself from any other duty except for the Toronto Maple Leafs, if that is what the Leafs end up doing 
after they get eliminated from the playoffs in the second round. But here's what we know as of now. The Penguins are looking to hire both a general manager and a president of hockey ops. That is from Frank Saravalli of the Daily Faceoff. That is something that we saw with the Hextall and Burke era for the first time in the history of the Pittsburgh Penguins and something that Fenway Sports Group apparently liked the way the workflow worked, just not with those two in charge. The results weren't what they had hoped for. So it looks like the Penguins are looking to have a similar situation hiring both one general manager and one president of hockey ops. They wanted to interview 10 to 12 candidates in their first round, all via Zoom. Some of the names included in that were Eric Tulski, Jason Carmanos, former general manager and friend of Mario Lemieux, Mark Bergevin, who former general manager of the Canadiens, I should specify there, and another former general manager, this time of the Edmonton Oilers, Peter Shirelli. That's from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, the interesting thing there is, we had heard mostly, I would say we heard upwards of 20 names. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they ended up only wanting to interview around 10 to 12 candidates tells me they had a really extensive first portion. And while, yes, the first round of interviews was 10 to 12 people, that tells me that this is clearly not the first leg of their search this is probably like three or four of their search that they got to before they even interviewed a single candidate. Yeah, I mean, just the names that you listed off don't even scratch the surface of the rest of the names that have been discussed, oh, yeah. rumored, talked about. Like, it's, uh, there's still more to it. I mean, like I said, those are some names. That's a wide variety of names, and yet the variety continues to get wider. We discussed on this podcast already certain ones from before that, um, good ideas to go after and then the must avoids i.e stan bowman i mean there are names that we've discussed that have been put out there that um we would even go yeah let's not talk to him but let's talk about why we shouldn't talk to him it's 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 a wide range it's a wide range and it's uh <laughs> can't wait to hear uh people's reactions to the rest of the names that we're that we are gonna bring up here because there's some interesting ones left yeah, some other names that we've seen over the weekend get thrown out there. Uh, this is by Frank Saravalli again of the Daily Faceoff. Matthew Darsh, former Penguins AGM and current Seattle Kraken AGM Jason Botterill, former Arizona Coyotes general manager John Chaika, who left unceremoniously from his post there, and also Ryan Martin. So it seems like we are finally starting to get more and more clarity, and it's coming faster and faster on the Penguins general manager front as it seems as if they're starting to expedite the process, starting to get through the process of narrowing down the search. Uh, but some of these names, like you mentioned, are coming out of nowhere. John Chaika is not a name that I heard up until I saw that from Frank Zaravalli. Like, I didn't even hear see that as a potential name uh, from anybody, of course, uh, from any of the major markets or not mar markets, but any of the major publications. Yeah, no, it, that's a totally new name. It's a bit out of left field, but I'm sure the, the departure was a little unceremonious, but um, I need to look back into the finer details of it all because I don't totally hate the candidacy of him, uh, specifically John Shake. Again, like I said, I need to look back into everything. Uh, it's not like uh, what he did from what I can remember and recall is it's not like he wasn't trying to give his team a competitive advantage. <laughs> he, 
And now yeah, he, he was just doing it illegally. Yeah, he was trying to do what he could to help his team win. And quite honestly, sometimes if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Um, but that being said, that's not the kind of face you want in your front office. But if he's got the passion to help your team win, mm-hmm. that's already a step above Rod Hextall. And another thing, too, is two more names that Saravalli uh, threw out on his most recent rundown. Um, one was Cam Lawrence from the Columbus Blue Jackets, who I know nothing about. And uh, he said that he hasn't been able to confirm if anyone's talks to him, but a name that is interesting and a name that hasn't been talked about enough, uh, Sam Ventura, former mm. Penguins front office face and from the area, uh, and would fit the role of FSG wanting to go in an analytical direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, currently a member of the Buffalo Sabres front office is Sam Ventura, and a name that you know we, we mentioned early on. Uh, I know when we had our show with, with Doug and with Hunter of Locked On Penguins, we stated that you know Sam Ventura is a name that, if it was anywhere but Pittsburgh that had an opening, probably wouldn't be brought up. But it was Pittsburgh that had an opening, and we had already heard that FSG wanted to go in an analytical approach, and Sam Ventura was one of the foremost players in that game when it comes to the Pittsburgh Penguins moving towards an analytical approach. Uh, So it would be interesting to see whether or not he gets one of those Zoom calls that were the first round of interviews and if he's able to move on alongside a lot of these names that are are people that have formerly been general managers or somebody that was a current general manager but is no longer in the fold. But before we get to that, Horwat, are you somebody who, because you said if you're not cheating, you're not trying. Are you somebody that believes that, honestly, it, it's not illegal until you get caught? <laughs> I mean, let's ask Barry Bonds about that. Let's ask any MLB player from the 90s. Um, No, if even if you're still doing it, it is still cheating. It's just no one knows about it. That's yeah. the difference. Um, and obviously just what Arizona was doing uh, was a little more obvious than... Uh, I mean, Vancouver also just got slapped on the wrist for that. They did the same exact thing, working out players yeah. from the draft illegally, like uh, prospects illegally and, and, and stuff like that, outside of the purview of what's normally fair uh, across the NHL and current, certain standards that are set. So, yes, it's not as bad as some of the candidates have done, but uh, it, it is certainly something that is a black mark on John Chaika's record. But uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about Kyle Dubas because it's probably the last time we're going to talk about him. I know he was the bellow of the ball for you, Horwat. He was your favorite uh, to land this position or at least one of your favorites to land this position. But as of yesterday and his exit press conference with the Toronto Maple Leafs media, Kyle Dubas has taken himself out of the running for any general manager position that is not the Toronto Maple Leafs basically stated it's the Leafs or nothing because if he does not get re-upped with the Toronto Maple Leafs, which I I do genuinely believe that he probably will be. I think he saved his job by the desperation he showed at the trade deadline. Most of those moves panning out and winning a playoff series for the first time since 2004, you know, showed in the second round against Florida, but I, I think that's as much to do with Florida as it is to do with the Toronto Maple Leafs, as well as the fact that they lost their goaltender. I genuinely believe that he's going to end up back in Toronto, but we definitely know for sure that he will not end up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, we can say he won't end up in Pittsburgh. And listen, I, I don't want to turn this into a Leafs podcast, but I'm of the opinion that genuinely that means uh, Kyle Dubas shouldn't be working next season. I, 
That's the what I believe. I went over this whole conversation with uh, Megan yesterday. Listen, the Leafs need change. They need to change need to change three things. That is their head coach, one of the core four, and Kyle Dubas. It just needs to happen. Uh, the definition of the definition of insanity we talked about on this podcast last summer for the Penguins is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. They won a round. You can't say that's good enough. Yeah. That's the thing. You won a round. That is great. That is good. You did defeat... I'm not even going to say you defeated one of your boogeymen, but you defeated a pretty good team in the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'll say they're the NHL's boogeyman, but yes. they'll, They'll give them that. But it's the way they lost in round two that completely defeated the purpose. And... Sure, Dubas did go all in at the deadline, but also you had to, not that it wasn't an awesome thing to see, but you had to work with multiple e-bugs down the stretch because you're stuck in cap hell. How'd you get there? Oh yeah, because you're paying four people $11 million each. Sorry, ten, mm-hmm. Sorry, 11, 11, 10, 10. <laughs> I don't know. But that being said, I, I'm of the opinion that Dubas, if he's not working... Uh, outside of Toronto next season, he then he probably shouldn't be working at all then because Toronto needs change, and the fact that he's not coming to Pittsburgh hurts. But, you know, I need to take the blinders off of Kyle Dubas for myself, I guess. I need to look at what other options are out there, and, you know, it's, it's okay to be attracted by the big fish in the sea, and especially in this situation, you want what's best for the Penguins, and it probably would have been Dubas. He checked all the boxes that this team needs, but um, if he needs his time off, he needs his time off. And there's such a list of other options that um, you have to hope that they find the right guy anyway. Yeah, I, I know you you had an attachment to, to Kyle Dubas, and whether he goes back to Toronto or not is immaterial for this podcast because exactly. we don't cover the Toronto <clears throat> Maple Leafs. Uh, but it, as far as him not coming to the city of Pittsburgh and not becoming the Pittsburgh Penguins general manager, it certainly felt like if he wanted the job, the job was his. And it certainly also felt like he might have wanted the job at one point, but the way something you know worked out in the playoffs, it, it's going to be Toronto or bust. And now we'll never actually know if he genuinely wanted to come to the Pittsburgh Penguins to be a, the, gener- the new general manager. So he's out. That leaves all the names we already mentioned that have been mentioned and have been mentioned as far as being potential pl- players that have been interviewed and general manager candidates that have been interviewed. Uh, and Eric Tolsky, Jason Carmanos, Mark Bergevin, Peter Shirelli. Uh, Stan Bowman's name hasn't been thrown out there again, but he has been mentioned several times as we've talked about, so we won't get back into that. Uh, Jason Botterill, John Chaika, Ryan Martin, also names that have been mentioned. Uh, the last thing we want to say before we move over and talk about NHL's Blue Bloods and whether or not the Pittsburgh Penguins are one of them, uh, which is going to be a fun conversation. I-, I think I'm excited to have that one. I would imagine you do not see much in this process in terms of news surrounding the next president of hockey ops for the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's similar to when Brian Burke was hired in my eyes because nobody at that point, I get it, it was different because it was the first time the Pens had ever gone in that direction. So the thought of a different general manager and president of hockey ops is one thing, but I I really do think that you're not going to see very much news until you see a name just immediately hired. Yeah, most likely. It's the exact way it went last time. And for the sake of last time, too, I mean, they had to 
do a quick turnover when it was when it came to those hires because it was the middle of the season. Um, they had to put someone in charge pretty quickly. It was just a different era. Whereas now we've already been without of you know multiple faces in the front office for a, over a month now. So the turnover hasn't been as quick. Obviously, we've had the time to search, but uh, I think. I think a lot of the same thing. I think maybe one of these names that we're just hearing discussed as part of the interviews might slip into the role, um, but it's not going to be the obvious. This person is interviewing for this position. Uh, mm-hmm. That's what we're hearing. I mean, we could we could take these names and go. This person might be better in this role. This person might be better in that role. But that's again just us assuming and wanting to see what could work out best for the Penguins. Yeah, whenever I look at that, obviously, I feel like if it is one of the things that you mentioned that, hey, they're interviewing one of these candidates for the general manager position and might offer them the hockey ops position, a name that comes up there, and we again, we don't have to dive into it deeply, Stan Bowman would be somebody that I would expect would fit that bill, yeah. right? I would say Stan Bowman. I would say probably Mark Bergevin. I would say any of these guys that had been general managers before. I would say probably fits the bill as somebody that could come in and and play a role as president of hockey ops, uh, similar to what Brian Burke was. Uh, Because remember, Burke, of course, was the general manager of several teams before he came to the Penguins. And he was also a president of hockey ops before he came to the Penguins as well. Uh, So I wouldn't be surprised if it was that. But also, again, it seems as if most of the news, most of the headlines are going to be generated towards the general manager search. And they're not going to, you know, complete that search and then go through a different search for president of hockey ops. I think these are two positions that are being very closely monitored together, not just separately as if, you know, as if it was two entirely different situations. Yeah, that's like, yeah, we're just going to see the names and then maybe it's a new name that appears out of nowhere and that's the president and Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. The the GMs that we're interviewing make more sense to be promoted, if you will, to be a president. Um, which, the thing about the president of hockey operations in Pittsburgh is we've only had one in the entire time. We had no idea what he did here. Yeah. So we can't really speak on what they do. <laughs> they, ha- <laughs> they have the uh, ability to nix trade proposals. Well, they did. Brian Burke didn't seem to do that. Either that or he was perfectly okay with Mikhail Granlund or he's perfectly okay with Jeff Petrie and yet he wanted the team to be bigger and stronger and there we were getting pushed around all season. Yeah, and like we mentioned earlier, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins are trying to get, quote, clarity this week on the search according to Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts. I personally don't think it gets done this week, but I think clarity means we see almost the full list of candidates that are still in the running or, or, or potentially some of the front runners for the position. Yeah. I think what's real fun is that because it's the playoffs um, teams, not in the postseason, make their news in the morning because they have to, uh, it'll be real fun to see if they make an announcement while we're recording. So do it on a Tuesday or Thursday, boys make that higher while we're here. Cause that could be great entertainment for us. <clears throat> Honestly, preferably, I would I would like you to do it on a Monday or a Wednesday. Uh, that way, I have a little bit of time to think. But you know, who needs thinking, right? Gut reactions are what's That's best it. for this show. Reactions are more fun anyway. 
and instant reactions are what makes cold takes, and that's what I specialize in, Horwat. Uh, let's get into some more cold takes after the break as we discuss who the NHL's Blue Bloods are. We'll get to that on Tip of the Iceberg. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick, I almost said I'm Nick Horwat. that's Nick Berlansky. Uh, I don't know, I'm a little off balance today, Horwat. I already mentioned I just got back from Vegas, my lighting crapped out in the middle of that segment, and it looked like I was a supervillain sitting here, and uh, you know, we're going to talk about the NHL's Blue Bloods. I'm excited about this. Because I think it's a fun segment. I think it's an interesting exercise. But I need to get my head screwed on straight because I've had a couple days off. And uh, I need to step my game up. That's all. You're doing great. You're, it's just the first <laughs> day back. There's nothing much more you can do. It's uh, It's been a slow week. but also It's going to be a slow week, but also a very busy week. So I will say this. After the long travel home, because my travel home was a hellscape. I never want to be in LAX ever again. That's all I'll say. You had to go backwards? I, Ooh. I had to go backwards. Ooh. I I dislike that airport now. Simply because I had to spend about six and a half hours in it. But let's discuss who the NHL's blue bloods are. As I said early in the show, the term blue blood is commonly used for college basketball. And when you look at college basketball, the blue bloods are Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, UNC, Villanova, and then some people put UConn, who are currently the defending national champions in that basket. Some people decide not to put UConn in there. But the point is, there's only a handful. There's how many teams in college basketball? 180, over 200? I don't I don't even know, because there's plenty of them, obviously. But only about a handful, five or six, that are considered blue bloods. And what does that mean? That means those are the teams that commonly are better in the league and are often not held down. Now in a situation like college basketball, it's a little bit easier to become a blue blood because it's all on, Hey, do you want to come play for Kentucky versus do you want to come play for Appalachian state? And most people are going to say, I'm going to go to Kentucky. So they get the better talent. Doesn't quite work, work like that in a professional sport, but I would say there are blue bloods in the national hockey league. And I would certainly say 
that there's already one that's been baked into the league based on the way the history goes with the original six. I don't think you can take any of those six, despite the fact that Chicago's been bad for a couple seasons. Detroit's been bad for almost a decade. Toronto just won their first playoff series since 2004. Montreal, they've struggled for the better part of the past decade. The New York Rangers have won one Stanley Cup in the past, like, 60, 70 years. I would say the original six is the basis of the Blue Bloods in the NHL. Without doubt. It's those six teams for sure, and it's mostly because of the history. It's not at all the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately category. It's, I mean, you got New York, one of the biggest markets in the league, set and done. Uh, Montreal, the most storied history of the league, set and done. Toronto, probably the biggest moneymaker in the league right now, set and done. I mean, if anyone was to fall off the list, I'd probably shoot Detroit. Um, but even then, they got the history. They've had Mr. Hockey, and yeah. it's the history is there. Uh, Chicago, you could also offer up, but this is also a league that loves markets, and Chicago is a huge market. Oh, yeah. Uh, so there's really no one you could take off of the uh, off the original six as in this category. So all six of them stay for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with Detroit, as you mentioned, yes, they've been bad for the longest of times right now because they had seemingly haven't been good since they lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2009 in the Stanley Cup Finals. I know they had a couple better years after that, but they really haven't been a serious threat or serious contender for about a decade in the NHL. But I, I think when I look at this conversation, I look at Blue Bloods. Yes, Detroit, they had Mr. Hockey. They were an original six team. They had, I believe it was the 50s that they were winning Stanley Cups left and right. But they also had those teams in the 90s that were just as good and some believe some of the best teams in the history of the NHL, uh, led by Steve Iserman, led by Nick Lidstrom. Like, remember when the Penguins played the Red Wings in 2008 and they ended up losing in six. That Red Wings team had so many Hockey Hall of Famers because that's just who the Red Wings were as I punch my microphone. So I, I would say that there's not really a case to be made to take any of these teams out. Like, I know Chicago didn't win for the longest time, and then they had the Kane-Taves era come and go, and they won three Stanley Cups in five seasons or five years. And yes, that is that is what it is. But when you come into the NHL, and even as an outside observer of the NHL, you know of the original six, and you can probably place which teams are the in, in the original six and why those are the biggest names in hockey. Yeah, you can. It's it's combination of history, market size, and success. Really, it's those are the big reasons there. It's why they are there, and I think market size because it's the NHL and it is still a league that wants to grow their game so much. Mm-hmm. Um, market, I do think, plays a huge role in these in who the league would categorize as blue bloods. Yes. Yeah. Well. The league itself would categorize anybody that makes them the most money as a blue blood because that's the team they're going to try to showcase on national television more often than not. That's exactly right. Right? And it's what we see there. And and with that becomes the interesting conversation. Would you add the Penguins to that list? Would you make them the seventh blue blood in the National Hockey League? You know what? I think so. I think, you know, I, I know what I just said. I, I know what I just said about market size, but also... Uh, history is a huge part of what the NHL loves to rely on. And 
I mean, since 1984, you could argue the Penguins have had the best player in the league. That's almost 30, 40 years of dominance. I mean, sure, we haven't had dominance for all 40 years. We've been to the mountaintop, we've been to the cellar, we've seen it all in those in that span. But you can make the argument that it's there. I mean, beyond, I forget what the number is, don't we have, like, isn't five cups outside of the original six tied for the most? It is. It is tied with Edmonton for the most Stanley Cup championships outside of the original six, and more than the Islanders. I'd have to look back. More than the Rangers. Oh, I'm pretty uh, sure. I believe so too. But yes, I'll look that up. But yeah, good. It's yeah. So I would say because of the success in such a short amount of time, um, you put the Penguins up there because of their reign with Mario Lemieux, because of the times uh, with Yarmir Yager. Uh, and then feeding that into the Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin era, uh, not to mention 16 consecutive postseason appearances um, in these past two decades. <clears throat> it's definitely something that puts the Penguins on that pedestal. And mm-hmm. if you want to argue to take them off, I could see your argument as well, but I just believe um, they are uh, absolutely a part of it. Yeah, the Pittsburgh Penguins do indeed obviously have more Stanley Cups than the New York Rangers. The Rangers have four, the Penguins have five, and also the Pittsburgh Penguins have won five in six Stanley Cup Finals appearances, whereas the Edmonton Oilers have five in seven. So another little asterisk there uh, that leads towards the Pittsburgh Penguins. But I think the big thing that you mentioned there was they've had one of, if not the league's biggest star, play under their logo for the last 40 seasons. And they've been a team for, what, 55, 56 seasons? So 40 of 56 seasons, they had one of the league's most marketable superstars on their roster. And not just one, right? You see all the other names that have been to Pittsburgh and played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Getting Malkin, obviously. Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously. Go back a little bit further. You had Yaramir Yager, Ron Francis, Rick Tockett, all of these names that are synonymous in hockey history with success. They played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mark Reckie's another name that has to be brought up, a guy that has won Stanley Cups in three different cities. He did so in Pittsburgh in his rookie year back in 1991. So the Pittsburgh Penguins have a history of winning. And also, you mentioned it, money is important because being a blue blood means that you're always in the nation's forefront. You're always in the national spotlight. You're always in the national eye. And the Pittsburgh Penguins are often in that spotlight. We always say it every year. Once February is over, almost every other Pittsburgh Penguins game is on national television. How many times have the Pittsburgh Penguins played outdoor games in a big national spot where the league needs to bring in revenue, needs to bring eyes to the product? It's the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, is that because of the Penguins or because of Sidney Crosby? It's because of Sidney Crosby. But considering the fact that this team has won Stanley Cups in multiple different decades, in multiple different dynasties, in multiple different eras, they are one of the most important, if not the most important, non-original six franchise to the National Hockey League. And they are certainly deserving of the title of a blue blood in my eyes. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's... It's the history that's there. It's the faces that have been there. It's the success. You didn't even mention guys like Larry Murphy, Paul Coffey on the blue line, um, Tom Barrasso from in the net, and 
names have filtered through even in their short periods of time too it's we've had faces we've had names and then we've had success it's all the more reason why this team does should be talked about in that kind of discussion and in the national eye ever since Lemieux got here the other two teams that are in a similar situation to the Pittsburgh Penguins one that we've already mentioned here in this conversation is Edmonton Mm -hmm. the Edmonton Oilers of course were the home and the draft place of Wayne Gretzky, one of the greatest of all time, arguably the greatest of all time. We would argue against that personally, uh, but they won five Stanley Cups, all in the 80s and one in 1990, and now they have who is considered to be the best player in hockey in Connor McDavid, although they once again fell in the second round of the postseason. season. Would you consider Edmonton a blue blood? You know, I'm gonna. I would say yes. And just as I was about to say yes, I remembered they're a WHA team. They came from the WHA, and not that the NHL, you know, really cares that much. I mean, Edmonton anymore. Is, yeah, <laughs> anymore. But thinking of the history of the league, um, they weren't originally an NHL team. So I'm gonna still say yes. But they might be one of the lower ones, ironically, despite having Wayne Gretzky, despite having five cups, and despite winning a cup without Gretzky, which really says something and doesn't get talked about enough in the lore of Edmonton. And then bringing in McDavid all these years later, um, finally hitting on that draft pick, if you will. I think a lot of people scoff at the idea of Edmonton as well because they have been giving given all of the opportunity to reclaim what they were and haven't done it not that they haven't tried i mean Connor mcdavid is there now but i mean all those first round picks all those first overall picks that didn't pan out um it it leaves a bit more of a stain on their legacy but at the end of the day i would say they squeeze into the conversation yes i would i would agree with that i think when you see the edmonton oilers perform well you see the league succeed, yeah. right? Especially because they have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. They got to the second round of the playoffs. That is one of, if not, you know, it is one of the most raucous hockey fan bases in the world, mm-hmm. right? Toronto's up there. Edmonton is up there. Probably the two-headed monster of Canada right now because Montreal has has struggled the past couple seasons. And when Montreal is good, they're right up there as well. But Edmonton, their success matched with their future as well, I think has to put them in there. And I understand the WHA angle, but uh, I think that has faded to this point, as you mentioned. And really, it's tough because eight Blue Bloods in a 32-team league, like a quarter of the league being Blue Bloods, is tough. But it really does happen because the NHL has six already baked in. Like, you can't take out any original six members. And then I would add the Penguins and Oilers... Tampa's another name that could be interesting, but I don't quite think that they're there yet because they are still such a new franchise, relatively speaking, compared to the Edmonton Oilers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and certainly the original six. Uh, But Tampa's recent run might be why they get into that conversation in the first place. So, yeah, we're discussing the idea of eight Blue Bloods. Hell, I'm throwing a ninth and maybe a tenth in if the conversation gets there. Um, But you also have to look at other leagues that might have a similar situation. I mean, how many are there in baseball? There's only 30 teams yet. 
Um, every large market there could be considered. You're talking the Yankees, you're talking the Dodgers immediately. You're talking the Cubs for that history immediately. And probably the Red Sox. Probably the Red Sox. Probably the Phillies if you really wanted to. Uh, I would say that's it. I was going to say the Pirates too just because of that. I mean, they started in 1887. Clemente went through. They are one of the most historical teams in the MLB, but that's it. That's where it ends. History. Um, So there's a ton of teams in every sport. I mean, that even goes into, like, football. I mean, 32 teams there. I mean, which team isn't a blue blood, really? (laughs) So... Well, because they're all cash cows. Big four in the NFL. Oh yeah, in the NFL, every team makes an absorbent amount of money. But I, I think that you really have a core group of teams that the league would love to see be the final four or five teams every single season. That's Pittsburgh. That's Dallas. That's Green Bay. That's the Raiders. Although they're in Vegas now, so I don't know how that shapes out because the Oakland Raiders were, you know, one of the best fan bases in the National Football League and certainly one of the most historic. And uh, I'm missing one, the Patriots. i say you would toss well. the Patriots in there. Could probably toss the Giants in there if you wanted to because of the market. But again, that's when we get into like the Penguins in hockey yep. and the Oilers in hockey. Like that's that's when you get outside of the core, which the core is the six and then the NHL, the original six. I would say it ends with the Penguins and the Oilers. And I would say there is a question to be had, and you could argue either way for me in either either of those positions. You could say, you know what? It's the original six, and that's yeah. it. And I would say, you know what? I I get that. I understand that. And it makes sense. It's the one that's literally baked into the pie. But the way the Penguins have really dominated in the sense that, not that they've dominated play, but dominated in the sense that they have always been part of the story. Whatever the season story is for the NHL, the Penguins have been a part of it for the past 40 seasons. Yeah. A lot of that's due to the players that they've had on the ice. Some of that's due to the fact that their organization, for the most part, has been run extremely well and has been run as one of the top organizations in the National Hockey League. But I would say that they are, personally, in that conversation. Now, if you disagree, let us know in the comments. Let us know in the review area of whether that's Apple Podcasts. I don't believe you can do it on Spotify. You can just leave a five-star review and and we'll be the end of that. But just let us know wherever we are, obviously on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast, are the Pittsburgh Penguins a blue blood? We both say yes. Let us know your opinion. But let's also talk really quickly about Tampa. I think they're too new. Too new, yeah. But I do think that they're a team that is on the cusp of, if they can continue, obviously, being one of the Blue Bloods because they found fairly early success in the Vinny LeCavalier and Marty San Louis era. And now you see them as probably one of the most dominant teams of the modern era over the past three, four seasons. Because even this season, they were extremely talented and extremely good and an extremely hard out for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's. <clears throat> I would say they are getting there. They are also stuck with the handicap of a non traditional hockey market. Um, That's, just, yeah. And that. Let's be real, that is what pulls them down. I mean, the Dallas Stars have won a cup, and they had Mike Madonna and a few other all-time greats fil- filter through uh, their city, yet we haven't said their name once. Uh, the LA Kings won a couple of cups and had Wayne Gretzky, yet we don't discuss them in this in this conversation. Um, it's, it's not easy to build that sort of reputation uh in that sort of market it hurts mm-hmm. them but also the fact that they are able to build up this sort of you know resume 
in that market, it's it's a good chip on their shoulder to have. And why they are still so close yet, I would toss two more names in there, and it doesn't involve them. Okay. I, I would say there's another name for me that comes up when I think of this, but both the Tampa Bay Lightning and this other name who we'll talk about in a bit are teams that I could see potentially becoming a blue blood one day, like mm-hmm. in the future. I would say you need another 10, maybe 20 years to be considered a blue blood. Like I, that might be ridiculous, but it, it feels like you need to have the history and you need to be able to show success over a long period of time. That doesn't mean you never miss the playoffs. That doesn't mean you are never under 500. That just means when you are, it doesn't last very long. Yeah. I would say they are right on the cusp of it too. I mean, cause you figure you're throwing the penguins in there because they were able to have success over multiple waves of stars. Um, the lightning had their first wave, got a cup out of it and they're on to their second wave. Now it's, and they've gotten two out of it and went a third time. So, they're right there. I wouldn't say 20 years. I wouldn't even say 10. I'd say in a handful, they could probably um, achieve that status if they're able to have their stars uh, go out gracefully. If, yeah, and then replace them. Yeah, exactly. They don't even have to replace them and be good. I mean, just have a decent team following that, and then, yeah, you're in that conversation. Um, yeah, uh, you mentioned two other teams. I'm going to throw it. them out there. You totally don't have to agree, but a lot of it – in my eyes, comes down to the history and the market size, and that is the New York Islanders and the Philadelphia Flyers. The Islanders yeah, got those knew- four cups, the history there, some of the greats. If Mike Bossy wasn't injured, we'd be having a whole different discussion about Mike Bossy and his life. And the Flyers, I get their rivals, but and only with two Stanley Cups from the 70s, but that market is massive. That fan base is massive. That mm-hmm. team is important to the league. Whether they're good or bad, they're always talked about. And they have such a history from the 70s of being more than just an NHL team. They played the Red Army, guys. (laughs) It's just that in itself. I think they're in there. I think you could definitely say they're not, and I understand the argument, but I'd say you throw them in there. And also, more Blue Bloods in a league I think is a good thing. That just means there's some popularity there. Yeah, you mentioned in the NFL, mm-hmm. most of the teams are blue bloods yeah. at this point. Like, you can make the argument for most of the teams, except for maybe, like... The Texans. The Jacksonville Jack, The AFC South. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the AFC South, outside of the Indianapolis Colts, because they had Peyton Manning. And they're also right? up and, north, which is the wildest thing. Well, yeah, welcome to geography via sports. It doesn't yeah. make sense ever. <laughs> uh, but no, when it comes to the Islanders and, and Flyers, I would personally disagree. I, I get the point you're trying to make, because they are important franchises to the league and you could be an important franchise to the league and not be considered a blue blood. It's a very arbitrary thing when it comes to taking it outside of college basketball, because it's so obvious in college basketball because of the way the landscape is. But when it comes to the Islanders and Flyers, I just think they've had bouts of really irrelevance that would take them out for me personally, for me. I think they've been irrelevant for too long for too many stretches to be considered a blue blood. Where the Pittsburgh Penguins, even when they sucked, weren't really irrelevant, right? Because they still had uh, the shadowy figure of Mario Lemieux somewhere in the background. They also had the threat of moving somewhere in the background. And some people could say, yeah, that's a negative. How are you a blue blood if you're threatening to move? Because that franchise and the players in it and just the entirety of that situation 
was so important that they were not going to let it sit there and rot, right? The Arizona Coyotes, sorry to Arizona Coyotes fans, they have sat in that market for far longer than they probably should have. Now, does that mean it won't work in the future? No, it does not mean it won't work. Does it mean that I'm not rooting for them? No, because I'd like to see the Arizona Coyotes succeed because hockey in the desert, as we've seen in Vegas, can be successful. But that franchise is not as important to the league, which is why the league's like, yeah, we'll give you more time to try to figure it out there instead of moving you because we need you to produce. Whereas the Penguins, they were like, listen, we need something. Like, we need something. We might move them <laughs> if they don't find something. We need something. And Let's rig a draft lottery for you. Yeah, there's that, right? Well, who said it? Who said that? <laughs> yeah, and that happens for Blue Bloods all the time. You know, 2023 hey, being well. an example. Um, no, just kidding. But no, it, it's... It's very arbitrary conversation. Yes. It's very opinionated conversation. And we want to hear your opinions. And we'll, we'll talk about it on Thursday, uh, maybe at the end of the show, in lieu of a Penn's poll. We'll just say, who does everybody believe are the Blue Bloods for the National Hockey League? Maybe we'll put out a tweet. But if we don't put out a tweet, just comment under this video or you know, let us know on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast. We're on Facebook at Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. We're on Instagram as well, although less active on there as we are on, on Facebook and on Twitter. But I think the reason this got brought up for me, the reason I thought about this was because I look at the conference finals. I'm like, this is interesting. Yeah. Because th there's no blue bloods left. Like Carolina, Florida in the Eastern conference finals is not what I had on my bingo card. Right. I don't think many people did. And Dallas Vegas, while, Hey, those are two pretty large markets when you just look at media markets in general but is Dallas ever going to be able to compete with the Cowboys no are the Stars ever going to be able to keep compete with even the Mavericks right now the, the the circus show that are the Dallas Mavericks can the Stars compete with that maybe down there I don't know I listen I've never been in that market I don't know the market share when it comes to sports I, I, I just feels like the Stars just aren't a team and the market, like you said, non-traditional hockey market down south. They're not a team that's going to be able to break through that, even though they had a star like Mike Madonna, even though they had a Bobby Hall, I believe. Brett Hall, but yes. Was, uh, Brett Hall. That's <laughs> I, I always mix up the freaking Halls. That happens. And uh, also Marty Turco, because I loved Marty Turco when he was playing there. Uh, but Vegas, similar to Tampa, I think Vegas could be. Vegas could, in the future, be considered a blue blood for the National Hockey League because of the importance of their city, right? It, it is a massive city that everybody will flock to. Everybody will flock to Vegas, and they've immediately found success. I mean, four conference finals in their first six years of existence, that's absolutely that's, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, that – they might be the big heel of the league. I think that, that – uh, I, think, I think that term's kind of faded for them a little bit. Last season, the season before, they were definitely the heels of the league after, you know uh, – you know, starting out as baby faces, but I think they just kind of centered into just a hockey team, just a very good hockey team who right off the jump has had immediate success. If they can maintain this sort of, not pace of success, but if they can still hold on to this level of winning and just having good teams and good players, they're the team that would need the 20 years because they're still that new. Yeah. If not even 30, if you want to push it. Um, yeah, absolutely. If they're able to maintain some sort of pace like this, maybe win a cup or two over the next 20 years, absolutely. They're in this discussion as well. And here's the thing about Vegas that I don't think you can say about pretty much any other franchise. Like, I'd even have to look at 
the original six, I don't think any of those franchises outside of Toronto, Montreal, any other real franchise that has other sports, Vegas is going to have the bigger fan base over the Las Vegas Raiders, I would think, locally. That's not transferred because remember, they're starting from scratch yep. as the Golden Knights. Yep. The Raiders brought over one of the biggest fan bases in, in football, right? Like you, you ask LA fans, like anybody in LA, they like the Raiders more than they like the Rams or the Chargers. That's hilarious. But yeah. So I would say that locally, they have a stronger fan base than the Raiders, and they're certainly going to have a stronger fan base than the A's. So they are number one in Vegas. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> you look at a lot of these other teams, Pittsburgh. They're not number one in Pittsburgh. The, the Penguins are not number one in Pittsburgh. The Steelers are. Boston, the Bruins are not number one. Celtics are, up, I, I think, close to them. The Patriots are certainly up there. And the Red Sox are probably number one in Boston. Chicago, same thing. It's the Cubs. It's the Bulls. Then it's the Blackhawks. New York Rangers. Is anybody ever going to touch the New York Yankees? No. Right? And if it's not the Yankees, the Mets are even up there. Right? The 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 Mets are up there. The Knicks are up there as well. And even the Nets now are, are starting to grow a fan base and starting to grow importance because they've been a circus show for the past five seasons or since they moved to Brooklyn, really. So, yeah, outside of Toronto, Montreal, any of the real Canadian franchises that don't have to fight with other sports unless you consider the CFL something that could even take a bite out of the apple there. The, the Vegas Golden Knights have that advantage over every other, at least U.S.-based franchise that has to go head-to-head -head with another another sport. Yeah. Yeah, Vegas is up there. They've got that opportunity. They've, it's going to take a long time to get there, but they've got the opportunity. So, that's my list. I would, I would add Edmonton in there, personally. I'd have eight. It would be the original six, the Penguins, and Edmonton. Mm-hmm. That's, that's who I would have as my blue bloods for the NHL. Yeah, and I have my 10, so I'll hold on to my 10. So yours is the original six, the Penguins, the Oilers. You would add Philly and, and the Islanders as well. Yeah, something about his, hockey history that you, you can't have the discussion without those two teams. Alrighty. I mean, hey, it's a very opinionated thing. That's why I wanted to bring it up. Yeah. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily put the Flyers or the Islanders in there. Some people wouldn't put the Penguins or the Oilers in there. Some people might we'll throw every Canadian team in there because it's hockey and it is Canada. It, yeah, and, I, and you can see the arguments for that. I get that. I mean, the Senators, yes, they're a new team, but that team has, but they also had a team in the early 1900s. So that discussion all of a sudden becomes a thing. You can make the Winnipeg argument. You could probably make the Vancouver argument. I mean, there's... No, you can make the Seattle Metropolitan's argument. Exactly. Like, there's plenty <laughs> yeah, of discussions that you could have with this uh, with this topic. It's completely exactly. subjective. And like I said, you just because it's Canada and hockey, all of a sudden, those all of those teams get put into the conversation. Yeah. So like we said, it is very, very personalized grouping open-ended open-ended so we want to hear your answers let us know twitter iceberg podcast facebook tip of the iceberg podcast instagram tip of the iceberg podcast or you can go to inside the penguins on youtube leave a comment under this video let us know who your blue bloods are for the national hockey league or again anywhere you get your podcast from you can write a review if possible add a five-star rating on that and we'll call it a day but we'll talk about those on Thursday if you submit them, right? If you don't submit them, we're not going to talk about it again. But if you want to submit them, we will talk about it. We'll mention it. 
at any teams that we haven't listened? Like, did we ignore a team that you want to call a blue blood? Maybe St. Louis, even though they've, you know, that's a team that's interesting. They're right above my shoulder there because they're second six, right? So uh, we'll have to have that discussion if you guys want to continue it. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you.